You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 150, covering Babel and Captive Pursuit. Hi, friends. Hello, everybody. It's time for our third attempt to make jokes about something we really like. Yep. This is hard, Matt. Another another episode, another two hours of mostly silence as we bask in two really pretty good episodes. The, the way we do this, and I'm pretty sure I've described this process before, is we watch them separately, we take notes, and then we watch them together. And I can usually tell looking over the notes that it's going to be a tough show when each of us has made maybe five notes yeah. about each episode. And mine say things like, you bitch, Kira, I love you. You dick, Quark, I love you. Like, yep. that doesn't really help. <laughs> this episode, good. Yes. Well, the, the appearance of the word love shows up like 17 times. Yep. It's hard to do a comedy show. Yeah. We have a we have a new listener who has um, mentioned that we occasionally are negative, and yeah, yes, guilty yep. as charged. Well spotted. But it's we, uh... it's so much easier to make comedy when you're you know finding stuff to complain about than it is to make comedy about something that you marvel over the the you know the, the well craftsmanship. Right. It's it's difficult. So bear with us these first few weeks of DS Nine as we sort of reconfigure. Because so far nobody's turned into a lizard or um, gone to space Africa. Listen, it's not fair. We just came off of Nemesis, and that's a piece of shit. Yeah, that was kind of a piece of shit. And uh, and now, I mean, this is this is season one. We're in. We've done episodes what four and five, five and six, something like yep. that. It, and uh, the series has nowhere to go but up. Yeah, right now it's just going to keep getting better. We're at this level where they're just as good as Next Gen, which was running at that point, which would have been season six, mm. which is hardly fair. How can you hit the ground running so so effectively? It's just mm. it's not fair. I already feel like I know these characters. I feel like I I like them and and they're fun and yeah. Well, I mean, like we said before, if uh, Marina Sirtis is to be, be believed, all of the best scripts that they were getting were going to DS9 at this point. And I'd like to discuss that after, when we sort of get into the episodes, to see if these episodes would have worked for, for Next Gen. I think that, mm -hmm. that's sort of an interesting exercise. But... Well, I was reading on, you know what, this can wait until after my summary. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you give us your summary of the episode called Babel? Not Journey right. to Babel, which is a different thing entirely. but Just regular Babel. Just this Babel. is what happens after. This is the sequel to Journey to Babel. After they've journeyed to Babel. Yeah. Do it. As if being married to a horrible, nagging shrew of a wife wasn't enough, Chief O'Brien also has a horrible, nagging shrew of a space station to repair, and everyone is yelling at him all day long. Yeah, I've had weeks like that, too. You're tired, everybody's on your dick to fix the fucking food replicators, and you accidentally activate an old Bajoran bomb. Worse, this isn't a bomb of explosions, but a bomb of confusion. <clears throat> it releases a virus that quickly spreads across the station, causing everyone to talk in a bizarre word salad, like Al and I writing a Frank and Sandra sketch. <laughs> Cisco puts DS9 under quarantine, and Kira heads to Bajor to do some scientist kidnapping after she discovers that somebody who might have <clears throat> met somebody who might have helped perfect the virus, perhaps, might be there to help out. It's risky, but purposely infecting the scientist helps motivate him. Finally, the cure is made, the day is saved, and O'Brien suffers a stress-related heart attack. I don't think you can really project your own anxieties on O'Brien. I think he can take it. Mm -hmm. Just because you both have the same curly hair doesn't mean you have the same... Uh... 
you know, my, I disagree. Mental, oh, okay. I think all people with my hair are exactly the same as me. Very, very well. Um, yeah, this, this, well, I'm just going to go right into my good thing. Mm-hmm. This was a bit of a goofy concept on paper. People catch a disease that make them talk funny. Yep. I was originally going to be my bad thing was like, this is fucking goofy as shit. But they pull and then it I off. Thought of, then I thought about it and it's like, well, first of all, it's not just people being sick in bed like we've seen a million fucking times. Like, at least this is new. Nor are they turning into things, which is a thing that I'm well on the record as not liking. No. No one turns into anything except a person who is confused. Right. This this gives them a condition called aphasia, which is a real thing. A real scary thing. It, it's terrifying. It's, it's one of those sort of dementia-related things where mm-hmm. certain parts of your brain don't work right, and the language center of your brain can, can get screwed up and... You know, you get word salad, as, yep. as Matt said. And um, like I say, it should have been terrible on paper, but they make it sort of creepy. They give you, the, the actors in particular, there's some great acting from just their their sort of terror of this is a thing we take for granted, this being able to communicate with each other. If we can't do this, we got nothing. Yeah. And, and all of them, down to Jake pull off the they're just saying their nonsense words but uh but you really get a feeling that this could be a you know a seriously it's scary like, thing to live with yeah it's like is this it this is me for the rest of my life right and you you've mentioned this before you're you're going through some stuff with a family member kind of losing their mind and, and a lot of yep. us have been through that sort of thing and it's a legitimately scary thing so yeah absolutely if if it's pulled off right which it is here you mm. know it's it's kind of creepy and, and yeah that was the case no, they walked. Uh, they walked a fine line here, where like if you if you don't do this episode right, it's going to be goofy as shit. Yeah, and you, they really they really land it. You, you're just going to remember the people talking in nonsense. Yeah. And granted, we get to the point where Avery Brooks, you know, gets hit with the disease, and he's bread. going bread. I don't remember the other words that he said, but it's it's all just the right lobster. Right. Bread. <laughs> I love that guy. Yep. So fucking weird. I was uh, I was reading on Memory Alpha. Apparently, when they were writing this one, um, it was originally going to be like the dialogue was originally going to be just you know say just make some crap up, right? And the uh, the writer uh, realized like it's going to be much more scary if you can actually hear sort of the intonations of what they're trying to say. Well, and that's kind of what I was saying about the actors is <clears> when they get hit with it, you, you hear the fear in their voice, you hear the anger and the frustration, and you can tell what words they're trying to say. Yeah. Like he actually included what they're supposed to be saying. Oh, nice. Which I think is really cool. That is cool. Yeah. And it, and it sort of sets the cadence of what they're saying maybe. And, and yeah. yeah, that is very cool. One of the writers, we it's never a good sign when we see, you know, written by four people, which is what, Came up when this episode started. Yeah, when the uh, when the screen is just crowded by writers, that's usually a good sign that uh, this isn't going to be a great episode. But it was, and it might just be because the show was early on, and maybe somebody pitched something to Next Gen, and they switched mm-hmm. it over to DS9, and you know something like that. But one of the writers was uh, Sally Caves, which is a name I recognized. I believe it's a pen name. I don't think her actual name is Sally Caves, but she wrote uh, Hollow Pursuits, which uh, was the first Barkley episode. Yes, and the one where he becomes invisible. Right. What? It's a hollow pursuit. Oh, hollow pursuits. Um, but that was uh, the the uh, uh, college professor of our friend uh, Chris Coleman, fourth man, who was on the show some time ago when we did hollow pursuits. Yes. Which was um, it's just kind of cool. It was because we know that she's not on the writing team, that she's just a someone who, who pitched an idea and had a day job. 
Mm-hmm. And it's cool that uh, that she got one picked up more than once. Yeah. Like, it's it's cool to see someone's spec script or whatever get, you know, get bought and uh, and have them, you know, become a mm. legitimate writer. That's a, I don't know, I like gives that. Us, uh, gives us expiring writers something to hope for now that no TV show does this anymore. Yeah. No, Star Trek, I know at the time, was one of the few shows that did. I know a couple of the yeah. other sort of cop shows or whatever did, but it, it wasn't a common thing. Mm-hmm. And for a while there, I believe it was like DS9 and Voyager and X-Files. Yep. Were like the only sort of nerd genre shows you could do, uh, you could actually pitch and, and oh, get something God, picked up. Oh, God, if only up. I had known back then yeah, that you... I could be writing X-Files scripts. Well, you can't. Another fi- another fight with a Sasquatch, eh, Matt? But now, yeah, that's right. Now what you can do is pick up a, uh, get a Kickstarter going and make your own. That's right. There's a, and no one can stop me. No one. No, one of those, uh, one of those continuing adventures of the original series, uh, Star Trek, uh, uh, t- I don't know what you call a TV show, uh, something like that. But we, we talked about this a bit before on the show, the, the continuing mm. adventures or the new adventures or whatever the hell they call them. Phase two. Phase two, right. I think this one is the one that started as phase two and they changed their name for some reason. One of those fan-made continuing adventures things. And apparently they've got a Kickstarter now. Apparently they're allowed to uh, continue making their fake Star Trek. So uh, I always think that's so weird when you can just start, when you can just sort of take this thing that's over and start doing a Kickstarter about it. And no one seems to stop you. Yeah, I don't know how these guys get around it. They do have actors from the original series working with them. Yeah. But I don't think they have the backing of Paramount. No, and like, like I don't know, I don't get how that works. No, me neither. But it, it, it's interesting, it's something I saw come up this week, because the Kickstarter's just started, or it's going right, right. now, and uh, something I, I thought was kind of interesting. And mm-hmm. they're, they're not bad. We watched a few of, of the different episodes uh, some time ago. And this I remember, is way back, this is back in the original series days. Right. It might have even been before we started this, when we were mm-hmm. when we were so desperate for Star Trek on uh, Sarcastic Voyage that we oh god, you might be right that we were watching whatever we whatever scraps we could find. Yep. Um, but it's it's an interesting thing to see. Mm-hmm. It's also not Deep Space Nine, so let's uh, moving on. Let's get back to that. Um, yeah, it, it it felt like sort of a mid level next gen concept. Yeah. It felt like this could have been a next-gen episode, and maybe it was pitched that way. I didn't actually read that far into Memory Alpha to see. Well, apparently they've been kicking around the idea of doing, like, a like a Babel-type story for a long, for like, five years on ah. TNG, and they finally sort of got around to it here. And I could see if it was written this well, it, it working well on next-gen as well. Mm-hmm. I could say well, the word well It's definitely a TNG-looking idea, you know? It is. Weird-ass disease gets on the ship. It is, but I think Beverly has to run around doing things. Well, and already Julian's a better, uh, a better doctor than Beverly. Sure is. Five episodes in, or whatever it is, mm. just uh, it spends the whole episode figuring it out. Of course, there are times when he's so deep in the techno babble, I can't tell if he's actually been affected by the disease yet, or yeah, that could be a bit problematic. Or if he's just spouting off nonsense, you know, like well, the the hippocampus of the the phased inverted uh, thing, uh huh. There's a there's a moment in um there's a moment in the next episode where uh uh O'Brien's talking about something and I'm like, did he get that Babel disease back again? <laughs> well, maybe that's why they were so good at at conveying the nonsense words because they do the uh, techno battle so frequently. That is true. They're just used to rattling off things that have no meaning. You want to tell me what the fourth the fourth fir- first converter does exactly? That's just crap. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, what about you? What was your good thing? I love the balls on Kira, yes. whose plan to cure the virus is to kidnap a dude who is acting suspicious about it. But not if she had no proof that he was involved with it, just a theory. Yep. Purposely infect him with the virus. Yep. On the off chance that he could make an antidote. That is the stupidest, ballsiest plan you could possibly have, and it goes off perfectly. Well, I love it. And she says to Cisco, she says, I'm, I'm going to go get this guy. And he's like, you can't. We, we've quarantined the station. You can't go to the planet and infect all of Bejor. Are you nuts? She's like, oh, no, no. I'm not going to the planet. Okay, then what, you know, and they just kind of leave it there. Like, what is she going to do? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what, what she's going to do. All right. Good luck, I guess. Yeah. I, you did what? <laughs> I love you pointed out it, it's super easy to kidnap people in the future. It sure is. Hi, are you I home? Okay. <laughs> I love, she fucking calls him from the runabout and just like. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure what? you were in your office. Yeah, what the fuck? Oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, sorry. I'd like to think that only sort of, you know, highly uh, advanced, like, Starfleet equipment can do this and that she's sort of abusing her power. Not that everyone can do this at any time. Yeah. Well, in the future, there's no need. They've evolved beyond the need for kidnappings. I don't think Bajor has. No, probably not. You get a lot of angry people down there still fighting people that aren't even there anymore. A lot of busted shit to blow Cardassians up. Yep. No, I I like, I agree. I like Kira's balls there. Yeah, that it, it uh, that's really it's it's just really cool. Yep. And oh, Kira, you're a delight. That that's that was the point of my notes where I said, "Oh, Kira, you bitch, I love you." <laughs> there is so much of that character stuff that we liked in Next Gen where. The characters sort of already know each other, and they're they're giving each other a hard time, sort of good-natured yep. ribbing. Like, there's that Odo and Quark um, uh, dynamic is there already. Yep. Like, I thought I, it took I, a year again, or two. Again, I'm to... so shocked by how quickly that was already there. Yeah, me too. And there's a lot of that here, where it's like, uh, we, we get near the end, and the only people not affected by the virus are Quark and Odo. And they're effectively running the station. Yep. And there's a lot of really great dialogue between the two of them. I love uh, when he's gonna be when Quark's gonna beam Odo over to the uh, the ship that's about to explode. Yep. It's like, don't worry. I served on a Ferengi freighter for eight to- for eight years. Oh, so good. So you know how a transporter works? Oh yeah, sure. I've seen guys use it plenty of times. Wait, you've what? seen energizing? Toodaloo. Yep. They're so great, and Quark is so likable. Yep. Already. Which, uh, like, again, it's a Ferengi character. All we've seen of the Ferengi are just the terrible, crouchy, the, laser Like, they're guys. the worst fucking characters. And I had I remembered Quark being kind of a shit in the, uh, in the early seasons. Yeah, me too. Which is not the case. He's, like, the most affable guy on the entire show. No, he's still slimy, but he's also, like, he's slimy, but he's he knows he's yeah. the face of his business. And so he has to be kind of the nice guy. Yeah. How you doing over here? Yeah, you guys, everything taking, Rom taking care of you? Okay, good. Yeah, hey, here he is. There's this guy. Hey, Sport, there's, how's it going? There's the guy. Right. He's, you, you see What's him, your name again? You see him doing that, like the whole, uh, yep. the whole episode. There, there's this whole thing for the first part of the episode where O'Brien's got to fix stuff. Everything. Everything. Because it's a car, it's a shitty Cardassian station that they blew up everything and stole all the important stuff and. Yep. It's just, it's a tatters, and all he does is run around and fix stuff. And that's effectively how the virus gets spread, because uh, 
Quark decides to uh, to use replicators that aren't broken, and that's from uh, the uh, what, from the command deck, right? And that's those are the ones that are infected. So instead of just infecting the the few people using that replicator, he's given it to everyone on the station, basically. Yeah. Well, because everyone eats at Quarks. Well, of course. Because only... he's got the best stew. Well, that one guy with the buzzsaw chin really seemed to, to not like it. But uh... <laughs> I look at my notes, and like when he first shows up, they make this. They do a weird job of like showing him eating the soup. I'm yep. like, man, buzz ch- buzzsaw chin loves soup. Yep. Then a second later, he grabs Quark. This soup is terrible. I'm like, ah, oh, buzzsaw guy hates soup. <laughs> you called him chin guy. Yeah, chin guy. I don't know. I, th- I think you need to get a little more specific with that because I think there's a lot of chin guys. There's a, there's a rich history of chin guys in Star Trek. Well, a lot of people on the show have chins. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, Odo's really the only one who doesn't have one at all. No. Like, literally has no chin. Has anyone seen my chin? He doesn't Quark, know. Quark, did you steal my chin? Quark. Quark. <laughs> but, I know you've been eyeing my chin, Quark. But again, we've got this, the, the, we open with this scene where the, the two of them are just hanging out in the bar and Odo's kind of ribbing him. Yep. But they're friends. And, yeah. And when Buzzsaw Guy sort of goes in to threaten him, like Odo lets him for a minute. But he's like, all funny, right. But yeah. that's like, all right, that's enough. I don't want him to get seriously hurt, but this, if this guy has a, you know, has a beef, we should let him, uh. Should let him express that beef. Get your beef out of here. Yes. All right, that's enough of your beef, sir. <laughs> I think we've had about as much beef as we can handle from you, chin guy. <laughs> uh, what was your bad thing? What was my bad thing? Oh, yeah. So, the girl Kira contacts on Bajor while she's trying to find a lead on the viruses. Wow. Just the worst actor. Yeah, there was a very ever. sort of woodenness going on there. I hope that you are capable in your search, Kira. It felt like she was being taken hostage and being forced to read the demands. Yeah, it's like the Joker had a gun on her or something. Right, exactly. It's like it's like they took one of the caterers, like the person who has the least amount to do with what the hell is happening on this show, mm-hmm. shoved a script in their face and just read this. Yeah, in Star Trek they call that the Lazarus effect. Yeah. Where you just grab a guy out of the parking lot and uh, put him in your show. <laughs> Wow. That's a callback. That's an old callback. <laughs> I never forget Lazarus. Nope. There's a lot about the original series I have long since forgotten, but uh, pulling up uh, what I assume must have been a homeless guy out of the parking lot. <laughs> to replace, What do you want me to do? To replace your guest star that walked off for some reason. Here, if you read this li- these lines, Gene will give you a sandwich. I'm not going to give him... Is that what Gene sounds like? I yeah, that's, what's, that's probably what Gene sounds like. Not, well, my vision of the future always said that. I'm not giving him a sandwich. Now, he's These got, are my sandwiches. He's got a, I've got them in my sweater vest. <laughs> Hello, Majel. I'll leave my wife for you. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Nichelle. I'll leave my new wife for you. <laughs> Hello, er, Hello, all women on the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Do you love me? Sorry, you're 80 now. Oh, I'll just go upstairs. Good, don't make us kick you there. Oh. <laughs> the oh. Gene Roddenberry sketch, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, I don't think we've talked about this in the concept in, in the um, in the context of DS9 yet, but uh, this show got launched suspiciously very soon after Gene died. Yeah, it's very clearly does not have his fingerprints on it. No, or his stamp of approval in any way. Yeah. 
There's... I mean, it's like it, all of that sort of bright, shiny future where we all get along is pretty gone now. But the reason it works, I think, is because the people, the humans, the Starfleet guys mm-hmm. are still like that. Yeah, it's just the rest of the universe that's like... Right, but it... So actually, in a way, you get more of the bright, shiny future because of the contrast. Yeah, exactly. You see what the humans could be like, and instead they're like this. I mean, you got, mm. you know... And I say humans, but I also mean like Dax. Like all yes. the Starfleet people. <laughs> the, the humans and Dax. Right. Dax is so human, she's two humans. Yep. Well, one human and a worm, but same yep. difference. That's it's, like a human and a half, right? Yeah. Is this the one, or is it the second episode where she and Kira are going to uh, going to Quarks, and everyone's like hitting on her and watching think, her ass? I think it's this one, <laughs> just like blatantly looking at her ass as she walks by, and like, "Hey, how you doing?" Well, l- listen, it's been a long time since I was hot, right? No, and that's what she says to Kira. She's like, yep. uh, "I, I kind of miss this. This is nice." I mean, the, the people are practically like. Um, like Tex Avery wolves over her. Yep. Hubba, hubba, arooga. Well, you know, Terry Farrell. Yeah, I know. Look, look I know. I like uh, I like Kara's like, oh, so you must be enjoying getting all the stairs and stuff. I wouldn't know. I never get those. No, you do, Kara. <laughs> no, I think it's more like, uh, yeah, people do that and I break their fucking arm. Uh, that is also true. And she's like, no, no, I enjoy it. This is nice. I was I was an old man making those stairs like yep. six months ago or whatever. So now I can just look at me all day. As we come into Dax, she's just changed over, right? Yeah. Like she hasn't been Jadzia for very long. No. Okay. I wasn't I wasn't totally clear on that. And actually, next week we're doing an episode called Dax, so I think they'll they'll make it clear if they They're haven't. Tell us about Dax. Right. That, I hope. That's my guess. Yeah. Could be wrong. Could be Crewman Dax from Star Trek Six, the guy with the feet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Yeah, the guy that we thought might be Dax, but isn't Dax. No. It's just a coincidence. I I'm, I'm shocked that that never happened, but, you know. No, I think they, they ended up making Curzon old enough that there was no way mm. that he then could have been, you know, what's his name? Before Someone that. else. Yeah. Plus, you know, Dax is a very sci-fi sounding name. I'm sure there's a lot of different Daxes in the universe. Yeah, there's a whole ton of Daxes running around. All kinds Many of, of them with two Xs. Yep. And some Dexes. Yep. Definitely a lot of Dex. And, of course, Dexes Midnight Runners. Of course. And now I forgot what I was trying to smoothly work in a reference to that song, and uh, I completely oh, forgot which song me. they did. Uh, no, no, come on, Eileen. No, 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 no. I'm saying I was trying to pick up on your reference. Ah. And I and I drew a complete blank. Like shit, what song was that? Well, all of this will be edited out so that it sounds like you just made a great a great joke. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> My bad thing is actually a pretty big part of the story, which was um. You got you got the, the the start out with the chief O'Brien can't fix stuff you know fast mm-hmm. enough thing. I was about to say can't fix stuff. Of course he can. He just can't fix it fast enough. Yeah. He the problem is he's fixing too many things. My my coffee. <laughs> By the way, Avery Brooks playing like the the uh, he takes a sip of coffee and it's wrong. Mm-hmm. The weird sort of ah <laughs> that he does is just delightful. And he does it twice. <laughs> ah. Oh. Why would you do this to me? But he does this sort of weird grimacey thing with his mouth, oh! where it's kind of a smile, but kind of, ah, it's, it's just delightful. It's like, this coffee is bad, but it reminds me how joyful I am to be alive! <laughs> ah! Oh! <laughs> but it starts out with that, and then it, it, it hits the standard deadly danger corner when um, yeah. when O'Brien picks up the disease. And then we're we're solving the mystery, and Kira's off trying to figure out how to get it cured, and 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 we've we've turned a corner where everything is suddenly gonna like the, the disease is gonna kill people. 
Yeah. If they don't cure it soon enough. Which, okay, that's good. Escalate the danger. But on top of that, we had this whole subplot of this one freighter captain. Who, <laughs> yeah, Droopy. Who, you know, the sad werewolf. <laughs> Droopy the sad werewolf. Who um, wants to escape the station and doesn't care about the quarantine and is going to blow up his ship if he doesn't get out. And I just, I, I didn't care about that. It felt sort of tacked on to me. No. But you disagreed with that. No, I actually, I really enjoyed that little action sequence at the end. Like... Where Odo's got to pull him out of his burning ship, and yep. they eject the ship, and it blows up, and... Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was cool. I liked it. I mean, you know, it's clearly there so that we can have a reason for everyone to run around. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. But, you know, I'm fine with that, because I thought it was interesting. Uh, it we just... got a guy who's all like, I, I have to get off this space station, or else my crops are going to wilt, or whatever the hell my problem is. Yeah. So I'm not going to wait for anything. I'm just going to pull myself out of the station. Quarantine doesn't really apply to me. Yeah, you know, that's a really terrible idea, right? Too late, I'm leaving! So long, sucker. Hey! Oh no, my plan didn't work. You locked the docking clamps, I can't break free. Also, it turns out I have Purple Monkey Dishwasher. (laughs) That's what they should have called the episode, Purple Monkey Dishwasher. Yes, that would have been perfect. That's sort of universal code for word salad, anyway. Perfect Monkey Dishwasher. Yes. TM. Yes. But it's like, um... It's like quarantine doesn't apply to me. I'm I'm the one guy who doesn't have to listen to your stupid thing. And it's listen, like, I I have to get these things to somewhere before they something. It it uh, it reminded me of there's a there's a bit that Louis C.K. does, yeah, where he talks about uh, drivers and how they do completely irrational things because it's their favorite way. Yep. It's yeah. I know this is illegal. I know that you were in front of me, but uh, come on, this is my favorite way. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what this guy reminded me of. Yeah, I know there's a disease and I could spread it to the whole galaxy potentially. And maybe it's even in these crops that I've been talking about. But eh, this, come on, this is my favorite way. <laughs> that's just, that's what it made me think of. So, but then, then we have, uh, we have Quark having to beam Odo over the ship so we can run around and yeah. no, shoot the, uh, shoot the ship off into the, into space where it can explode safely, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. That was that was nice, nice little effect. I mean, for what was ninety percent a bottle show, mm-hmm. they did they did a little bit of uh, of of model stuff, which was cool. I guess it still counts as a bottle show because they didn't go on location at all. Yeah, I, I mean, this DS Nine must be must it's regularly most, do bottle shows, right? Like, yeah, they, it, they rarely go on like lo- on location because they don't have to. We actually had someone wrote in and asked us. We always talk about bottle shows. They they asked us what that is, and uh, they didn't get in soon enough for the last. Um, supplemental but uh i I was gonna i was gonna go over this uh really quickly a bottle show is just one that they shoot on all the existing sets it's ship in a bottle is sort of where the uh, expression comes from and it started on the original series and apparently they use it on all other tv shows as well they just call them bottle shows when you don't have to go on location you don't have to build new sets you just you shoot everything on the sort of existing standing sets yeah the nice thing with ds9 is that it's so big already that it's like even when it is a bottle show it's like it's not like you can tell right no, and I don't know how much of those sets they have to rebuild because you can't leave, like they can't. They could have the promenade and quarks and and ops like all that, but like corridor number six, yeah, you can't leave that standing the whole time. No, so there's a lot of I'm sure rearranging. Like, okay, they're walking down this hallway and the airlock is on this side, so we got to move the prop over here. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it's it's still contained enough that they save a lot of money, and and it must have been a lot cheaper to make this show because they weren't going to planets every week. Yeah. I would think. but uh, That's why they had all that budget to spend on alien makeup. Oh, God, the aliens on this show look so great. There's yep. so few aliens that show up. I'm like, ugh, what is that? 
The, nice nose crinkle, nose crinkle. I mean, you got the Bajorans. And the thing is, if your main alien race that you're going to keep visiting the planet and guys are going to keep showing up, you're going to have to keep that symbol. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm fine with that. But as far as all your guys hanging out at Quarks and all your, your merchants coming in and out and, and yeah. so forth, it's nice to see, you know, a wide variety of weird-looking aliens. So that's cool. It is cool. Uh, what else? That's what pretty else much indeed? all I got. Let's see. I did mine. Have a look at our very brief notes here. Yeah. There's, there's a lot I of- love, uh, <clears throat> we got, uh, uh, one quark starts getting busy again because the food replicators have started working. Right. It's like, oh, my brother Rom finally fixed them. Yeah, and later on, Odo's like, I saw the hole in your theory, Quark. Rom's an idiot. <laughs> that was pretty uh, great. We don't, that, that's funny for those of us who know Rom. Yes. You guys who, who are watching the show for the first time don't exactly know who that is yet. It was um, Nog, the Ferengi kid's dad. Yep. That's pretty much all you know him as yet, but trust me, Odo's not wrong. Yeah, your kids are going to love it. Yeah. Brother? Uh, that's that's uh, all. That's pretty much all. Yeah, oh, think... and, and we end on a bit of a, of a wacky comedic note where Cisco tries his coffee and, and ah, does, does that thing again. And, uh, O'Brien! Ah. Wah, wah, you know, I wah. almost died this morning. Could you maybe give me five fucking minutes off while <laughs> you're not yelling at me? That's the other thing is we keep, you know, we kept saying, uh, well, I mean, this is bad, but, you know. He's, he'd rather stay at work than go home to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we figured Jake was probably faking his illness. Just so he wouldn't have to go to Keiko school. I, just, I love the idea of, of O'Brien finally getting home after all this time and Keiko's got the virus. So he opens the door. Dishwater! <laughs> well, I know what word she wants for miles, at least. Mm-hmm. It's always Jesus. the first thing she says. Jesus Christ. <sighs> well, it could be. No, it couldn't. No, it no, couldn't. It could not, there's no way it could possibly get worse unless they cloned her. Poor O'Brien. All right, you got a quote for us? I do indeed have a quote for you. Let's hear it. It's this. Fix the replicators, Chief. My console's offline, Chief. Uh, Should have transferred to a cargo drone. No people, no complaints. (laughs) What a delightful quote. Indeed. All right, then. I love, uh, I love love the uh, Chief O'Brien muttering to himself. Yeah. No, that's that's always good. And that's, I'll fix that's the thing, Moyles. Do the other thing, Moyles. I always everybody needs to shut up. I always like it when characters mock, like mimic other characters. <laughs> that's just funny to me. That's inherently funny. Yep. And uh, on a show where these guys barely even know each other yet, it's especially funny. I think. Yep. All right. So moving forward now to an episode called Captive Pursuit, which I keep wanting to call Soul Survivor for some reason. Yeah, that is weird. There must have been a next gen or a, a Star Trek episode in one of the series called yeah. Soul Survivor. There must I'm have sure. Been. But it's not this one. This is Captive no. Pursuit. Uh, so without warning, the wormhole opens up and an unidentified ship emerges. Apparently the first visitor from the Gamma Quadrant has arrived. He seems a bit reluctant to open up to anyone and share details like who he is, why he's here, really anything beyond his name, which is Tosk. If you missed that name the first time, don't worry. He'll say it approximately once every eight seconds throughout the episode. Cisco sends O'Brien to check out the guy in his ship, figuring that if anyone can make friends with a potentially hostile alien or even, like, an inanimate object, it's Chief Petty Officer Miles Edward O'Brien, five-time winner of Starfleet's most amiable enlisted man trophy. And surprising absolutely nobody, he and Tosk hit it off, more or less. Except that Tosk still isn't saying much about what his deal is. 
This frustrates O'Brien as he serves an organization whose charter it is to seek out new life forms and find out what their deal is. <laughs> then another contingent of guys shows up on the station. They all look like what would happen if Tweaky from Buck Rogers joined Mork for Mork's army, and apparently they're hunting Tosk. Presumably somebody from the Alpha Quadrant left behind the most dangerous game, and these guys built their culture around it. Because he was so easy to catch, Tosk is going to be brought back home and shamed. Shunned by children, forced to endure rotten tomato peltings, just like insert washed-up celebrity here. <laughs> O'Brien, giving up on the idea of interfering with their culture and saving Tosk's life, breaks him out of jail, fixes his ship, and sends him on his way so that the chase can continue anew. Sisko yells at him for disobeying orders, but it's Chief O'Brien, and by the end of that scene, Sisko is smiling, because who can stay mad at that guy, honestly? I love the idea of uh, episodes of Star Trek starting off with to seek out new life and find out what their deal is. <laughs> well. And boldly go over there, I guess. Well, that's, you know, they're not boldly going. They're on a space station, but they yep. are trying to find out what people's deals are. Hey, buddy, what's your deal? Yep. He's oh. Tosk. That's his deal. I love the idea of O'Brien as almost a sort of informal diplomat. Yeah. Like, if we don't, because Dax specifically says... The guy's injured. He's he's being a little little dodgy. Maybe we don't want to do the the official first contact thing. Maybe we want no, to go. Let's just with... uh, let's just send the chief down there to make friends with him. That's Plan B. Yeah, you send Chief O'Brien over to uh, to be his friend. And and in this way, in, in this is one of the few ways that that I I think the shows are similar. That would have been Jordy on on Next Gen. I think. Oh, totally. In, in this way, I think those two are similar. In that Jordy could be anybody's friend as well. Mm-hmm. But O'Brien even more so, I would say. Yeah, because Jordy probably won't take you drinking because he doesn't want to impose on you. Right. But he'll, you know, and he, he'll he sort of reluctantly be your friend. Like, he'll act kind of irritated. Yeah. But he'll like you still. Yep. But O'Brien's just like, all right, that's enough of that shit. Come on and I'll buy you a beer. Right. You want a point? Uh, I th- I, what are you, why are you offering him a point? Oh, a, a point. A pint, a pint. A- I get it. You're in character. Now I want you to tell me who who's on farst. <laughs> He, they do hit it off, like, almost immediately, and isn't that basically your good thing? Yeah, I like Tosk a hell of a lot. He's got great-looking makeup. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy. And him and O'Brien click just so quickly. There's a scene where it's just, <clears throat> it's entirely about them talking and fixing Tosk's ship. And I could watch that shit all day long. And half of that is weird techno babble. Half of it yeah. is like, where's your antimatter inducer? Oh, you use a plasma phase coil instead, or whatever. Like, it's simultaneously barely a scene yep. and <clears throat> one of the best things in the episode. Well, because there's a lot of chemistry between the two of them, and there's a lot of, I don't understand you and I'm very strange and alien, but at the same time you're reaching out to me and I want to be your friend because you're kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> wow, it's weird. I've never met someone who's been nice to me before. Yeah. This guy bought me a beer, and I'm Tosk. We don't even have beer in the Gamma Quadrant. Ugh. What a sad place. It always ends up being a changeling. Ugh. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> Damn it, it's hard. Okay. Ah, what a refreshing drink this is. Quark, I was inside ah! all along. Hello, Odo. Okay. <laughs> gonna cut this Hello, Dum Dum. <laughs> she does sound like that kind of. <laughs> um, <sighs> your your good thing pretty much ties into my good thing, which is Chief O'Brien. Yep. Which is, as long as you're not a Cardassian, he'll always be your friend. Yeah. I love, like, he bends over backwards for this dude, he j- this weird dude he just met. Yeah, and all he's doing is fixing his ship. He doesn't have yeah. to be his friend. No. 
He just needs. In to fact, fix he was shit. ordered. Like he's he's basically ordered to be his friend at first. Well, he's ordered to go. You know, like come on, this will this this guy's charm will disarm him and 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 put him at ease. Yeah. And then once they hit it off, Cisco's like, "Well, keep talking to him. Find out. Find out you what guys, his deal is." You guys seem to be doing all right for yourselves. Right. Stick close to him. Right. Meanwhile, I'll tell Odo to turn into his backpack. <laughs> we it, it's 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 become a game of spot the obviously out of place object in the scene. Yep. To figure out what Odo's going to turn into. In the previous episode, Quark's going to the replicator to to get his ill-gotten replicated foods mm. and uh he's pushing this cart this is like really they have carts like that in the future oh it's odo of course i remember looking at it and thinking that is a needlessly elaborate cart i was thinking i this show does a good job of not futuring up every tiny little thing yeah there's a lot more normal stuff on this show which i like there is but this cart had like these weird little bumps all over it i'm like is that a cardassian cart yeah it could be it's like is that what the deal it. is could be was their most menacing cart they could develop? <laughs> well, they do like putting spikes on things. And that's like, oh, it's Odo. Yeah. Who apparently can, uh, doesn't know how how to make an ear, but can make a perfectly functioning wheel. No, Quark said that the wheel stuck. Who can make a partly functioning wheel. Right. So he's got a little bit of trouble with wheels as well. It's like, all right, I gotta make it so that I turn, but this part doesn't turn. <sighs> I gotta... Maybe, maybe I'll just have tank treads. <laughs> I gotta wonder, and, and I don't... I'm not going to... This isn't one of those... It's like holodeck logic where I don't want to overthink it because it ruins the show. Uh-huh. But I, I kind of wonder what what the limitations are on Odo's changing. Like, he can obviously change into simple machines, like a wheel. Mm-hmm. But can he change into complex things with moving parts? Can he... You know, like what... That's interesting. Because that, that was the whole deal in uh, in Terminator 2, right? Right. Where, where the guy, he could turn into shapes, but he couldn't turn into anything with moving parts. Right, like he couldn't turn into a gun. But he could turn into a blade and stab somebody. Yeah. which That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder what Odo's limitations are. Because, you know, a wheel might not fit the scientific definition of a, of a machine. But it's still something that has to, like you say, it has to operate. It has to move. It has to have a, a, a thing that stays still while another part of it moves. And there's four of them. Yeah, I like the idea that uh, he... What he did was he turned his feet and he, like he made wheels, but mm-hmm. they all have tiny little feet on them so they can just walk. Ugh. Right? That's that's unsettling. <laughs> and, and, and if Quark goes down to look, what the hell's wrong with this thing? He just pulls them back in. It's like, yep, they were wheels the whole time. <laughs> Certainly not covered in tiny feet. Uh, so in this episode, he's the backpack. Does yep. the backpack contain objects? See, that's what I'm saying. That's a really good question. Hmm. Yeah. Or could it? Like, Or, like, if he opens it, like, it looks like there's objects in there, but if you really examine them, the objects are, like, stuck to the inside of the backpack. And they've got little feet on them. Yes, and they've got little feet on them. <laughs> That's Odo's signature. Everything he does has little feet. Ah. <laughs> I did a really good job of creeping myself out. Yeah, I was going to say, turn that back around on you. Ugh. Gross me out with it, and I gross you out right back. Tiny feet. This, this was a surprise. Now you got me thinking of Princess Tiny Feet. Now I've completely lost my train. <laughs> Thanks for that. Oh, oh princess tiny feet. Oh, look at them. They're like little niblets. <sighs> like corn. Maze. <sighs> so, yep, completely gone. Completely yeah. Completely gone. So, this is easily my favorite episode so far. Really? Yeah, I love this one from beginning to end. I had such a hard time finding a bad thing for this one. It felt very Star Trek. It, it's a very Star Trek episode. 
you got the, you got the whole uh, prime directive. We can't really interfere with this culture, even though we disagree with their yep. with their thing. Which next gen did a fair amount. The episode it, like it clips along really well. Yep. Like just when you think you sort of know what's happening, they introduce a new thing. Like the evil aliens show up and right. like. But it's, fun- it's legitimately funny. Yeah, there's a lot of good character moments in it. But the the nice thing is they do that thing that next gen did when they were when they were firing all cylinders, which is they don't. The 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 bad guys aren't evil. They've got their own legitimate, yeah, like, totally, like cultural standpoint, and we're just at odds with them, which I like. Yeah. I like that. I like when Star Trek does that well. It does I mean, it really well, which is it makes you realize there are other cultures that see things differently, and that doesn't make them bad. They're just different. Yeah, like even like Tosk doesn't hate the guys that are trying to kill him. Like, no, that's just part of their thing. It, this is what they do. You yeah. know, my role is to run, and their role is to chase. Yeah. That's what he does. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah, it is, and it's as an idea, it's it's sort of cliched, but not to well, the I mean, point, yeah. you know, not to the point where it's like we've seen a hundred episodes like this before because we haven't. Mm. Like I can't. I'm, I'm sure it feels like we must have done this story at some point in the original series or in next gen, but I can't. Well, think I'm of... watching it. I'm like, oh, Predator. All right. Yeah, but but have we seen this done in Star Trek before? I don't think so. We may have done, but it not. It, it doesn't feel like a, a Star Trek cliche. No. Which is nice. Like, it's, it's new enough and interesting enough, and O'Brien's connection with Tosk, too. Like, that really makes this episode. It reminded me a bit, it's it's very different, but it reminded me a bit of the next-gen episode, The Enemy, when Jordy makes friends with uh, Centurion Bakra. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because they really have nothing in common, and, and that was a little more under duress than this one. Mm. This one was, was more sort of a natural thing, and, and yeah. the other one was to survive. But it still sort of reminded me of, oh, how could you not be friends with that guy? Yeah. No, Jordy can make friends with anyone. Yeah. And so can Chief O'Brien, unless you're a Cardassian. Yeah, in which case he hates you. Yeah. He is a full-on Cardassian racist. There is no question about that. No. Fucking Cardis. Yep. He even says that, I think, in this Yeah, he does. When they're in the... uh... The Cardis built this this way. Well, they're not Jeffrey's tubes, but they're basically Jeffrey's tubes. Right. In Jeffrey's tubes. Yes. Right. I have a note here. It's a gull. It's gull Jeffries too. Ah, that that's much better. Mm-hmm. I, I have a note here. Judging from the title, this is another Bajoran terrorist episode. And then I put, "Whoops, wrong O." Yep, because it does. It does sound like it. Captive pursuit, like oh, oh great. yeah, totally. There's going to be a captive Bajoran another rebel. Pissed off Bajoran rebel. Right, and that's. I. It's not fair because it's not a cliche yet. No, I can't get upset. Although they, the although the first two episodes did have it. It, it did. But... And then the third episode had. Uh, a Bajoran bomb, so... Yeah, hmm. that is a fair point. So maybe I'm not wrong to, to cringe away from that already, but... Fucking, fucking Bajorans. Yeah. Always ruin everything for the Cardassians. <laughs> wow, is that is that really how you see it, Matt? Uh-huh. They're just following orders, and uh, they, mm-hmm. they were heroes to the Bajoran people. That's right. Okay. They were always trying to help the Bajoran people. Right, of course. There's a great scene that was almost my quote between O'Brien and Quark. Oh, God, yeah. Where he's like, barkeep, get me a drink. Don't call me barkeep. There's this whole little banter thing going on. Oh, see, I love that, but even more than that, I love when uh, O'Brien's well, pissed off in the... Uh... Well, yeah, it's a follow-up to that scene, because yeah. they, they talk, and then he's like, hey, you helped me out. Thanks, barkeep. Yeah. And Quark's just like... Yeah. I love, after that, he goes over to some other guy who's passed out on the... on the. Uh, yeah, hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, how can I help? So what's your problem? Right. I'm on a roll today. I'm just, again, amazed at how quickly Quark became likable. Yep. 
It took them no time whatsoever. No. And just, we we haven't even done a proper episode about him yet. Yeah. Which is Although we do find out that he's apparently it's in his con in his contract when you're working there that he can sexually harass you. Oh yeah, there's that whole scene at the beginning. Which is really off putting for that character who I quite like so far. Yeah. No, he's got a he's got a Dabo girl who are the yeah. the t the girls that work the table at his casino. And um and she's complaining to Cisco about how her contract basically says she has to have sex with Quark whenever he wants. Yeah, which is really gross. Really gross, but also a good way to show us how sleazy he is. Yep. I mean, and it's not like it's not in character. No. That doesn't really come up again for the rest of the episode, does it? No. It's just uh, that's weird, a, actually. I believe we see her at the Dabo table. Yeah. Later. Where basically Cisco's like, well, can't do anything for you. Guess it's a life of servitude for you. And no, then, no, because he's try. He, he says he's gonna go like, talk make to sure that doesn't something. happen again. But, right. You know. But, again, we never see anything about it. No, and if it's in the contract, there's not really much she can do about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that Ew. doesn't really go anywhere. It's just kind of an interesting little character building scene. Yeah. Which again, this it's so early in this show, and I hate to keep saying, well, Next Gen really sucked at this, but uh, in their first season, they sucked at it. Mm -hmm. They sucked at getting you in the heads of these characters and and getting you to know who's who and, and what they're all about, whereas yeah, this show just... really came out swinging when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, we're we're five episodes in, and we have a pretty solid idea of who's who and what they're all about. I mean... What, what everyone's manner of deal is. I mean, I would say we don't know a whole lot about Dax, and there's an episode no. coming up next week called Dax. Yep. So we'll get there, and we don't know a lot about Bashir yet. No, and a lot... Well, and the only thing we know about Odo is that he's mysterious. Mm, we don't know his backstory. But we've no, gotten... but we know, like, yeah, no, that's true. We do know the character. Like, we got some really good stuff from him last week with the uh, the lynch mob coming for him and so forth. Yep. So, uh, already... And the I don't date conversation. <laughs> right. No, he doesn't couple. Yes. I believe that's different. <clears throat> I believe that means he doesn't fuck. <clears throat> but I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe he's just interested in one night stands. Who knows? Yeah. He don't shiv either. That is definitely true. He bowls nasty. Right. This, this isn't a mud pit, Quark. This is a surgery. <laughs> An operating table. And I'm, I'm the surgeon. surgeon. Actually, now I'm the surgeon. Hang on. I could I could totally see him uh, saying some of that really heavy yep. like, uh, Frank Miller dialogue. The rain falls on my chest like a baptism. <laughs> this would be a good death. Good enough. <laughs> Absolutely see him doing that. Uh, little Nancy. She grew up. She filled out. <laughs> Uh, so my bad thing. Yes, tell me your bad thing. Okay, so the dudes show up hunting Tosk. Yep. <laughs> and I mentioned this in my summary already. Yeah, these are... They look, they, they really, on the heads look like, I don't know, Matt, you, you I guess, didn't see this because it was briefly on in the 80s. Like, it aired when you were born. Yeah. So you probably missed it. The the terrible uh, Buck Rogers TV show. Mm -hmm. But there was a little robot named Tweaky. And, and all he would ever say is, beady, beady, beady. <laughs> oh, it was just awful. But anyway, their heads look exactly like that thing's head. Just... I see. The first thing I thought was Cylons. Yeah, there, there's a bit of an old school uh, Battlestar Galactica vibe there as well. Mm. But uh, you know, those things ended up being kind of cool in the relaunch. So uh, yeah, we can't give them credit for that. Well, no. This uh, this was just like wow. This Tosk. They put so much work into him looking like this really cool lizardy guy. And then uh, the guys that come then, after like, him, just like, wow. Yeah, it's just, you know what? So just throw some crap together. It'll be fine. Yeah. 
We got these. Give them some nice wool mittens. We got these red gym jams. <laughs> like I, I think they were like feety pajamas. That's what they look like. They were very yep. wool, very woolen. Yep. And uh, they look kind of snug. It, honestly, the, they're very. They look very like '60s Trek. Yeah, yeah, they There's did. A real like cheap ass Romulan armor vibe to them. I could see that, except I like the design of the Romulan stuff, even though they didn't pull it off right like, as well as they might have. But you and and the transporter effect, you had mentioned you kind of liked it. It looked very like sort of '80s. We don't have any good effects. Let's yeah, see what we can it's, do. It, it, it's the weirdest transporter effect I've ever seen. And we've seen a lot of transporter effects at this point. Yeah, it's like. This weird sort of square sort of appears out of nowhere, but it draws, de- like, a line, there's a line, and then it draws out into a box. Right. And then the box looks like it's, like, a broken VCR. Yep, And then it folds right. up or something, and there's a dude there. It it looks like, like, one of those in-studio effects you would do on, like, a, a show in the 80s, where, like, yeah. we, we can't send this off to do effects, so we, you know, just do some cheap in-camera thing or whatever, I don't know. Mm. Just wow, looks looked real it's, bad. It's but really you weird, it? but I love it. How come? I think because it looks so like it, well, it's unique. You know, like it it looks so weird and shitty. I would say they did a better job of of making Tosk alien. Oh yeah, totally. Properly, like I don't understand. We have a culture gap. We're not quite com- connecting here. Yeah. Than they had for most of either previous series ever. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, I, I never felt like Star Trek does a good job in in any of the series of showing aliens being just hard to comprehend, like a truly alien culture. Right. Like we don't just immediately, and and he does immediately hit it off with O'Brien, but they never really can, like they don't really get each other. No. Even at the end, where O'Brien's like, "Okay, you gotta, you gotta keep running. That's the only way to keep this thing going." Yeah. That's really all he gets. He doesn't really want him to do that because mm-hmm. he doesn't really approve of his culture. He doesn't get it. Yeah. And I like that. I like that aliens from the other side of the galaxy are alien. They're weird. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, like I say, the, the alien design on him was particularly good. Uh, but <laughs> those costumes are a little goofy. But uh, yeah. that transporter effect kind of adds to the rest of that, I suppose, where it's just <laughs> they're, different. They're... They're from the cheap 80s VHS uh, section of the Gamma Quadrant. Right. And that's why Tosk escaped, because he's he's too cool looking for them. Yes. Obviously. Did you manage to come up with a bad thing? Because you, you I really didn't, like didn't this I did come up with a bad thing. I had a hell of a hard time finding it. Okay. And actually, as we were talking, I was like, I should have gone with uh, Quark's sexual harassment. Oh, yeah. But except that wasn't really bad. I mean, in the story, yeah, it was kind of interesting. It's just like, oh, no, but it I like works. I just don't like that it's his character. But it's not bad writing. No. Okay. But um, I I had to go with when uh, Tosk has the ability to become invisible uh-huh. because he's prey, right? And he's... that's a good thing you should have when you're when you're being biologically hunted. Sure. Um, the problem is whenever he wants to use his invisibility powers, <laughs> he has to make this weird sort of half crouch pose. Yeah, like a season one Ferengi. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like. Wow, really? That's that's and he has apparently he has to just stay in that pose. Yep. Cuz there's a scene where one of the uh, one of the hunters is using his red beam to find him. Red vision, of course. Yes. And he's just he's just crouched in the corner like the opening credits of the Batman 66 movie. <laughs> As a spotlight sort of trains over him. Well, you know, Matt, some days you can't get rid of a task. That's true. Oh boy. <laughs> 
anything else? But, I mean, that's... that's really the best I could do. I loved this episode. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was. I mean, I I didn't love it quite as much as you. I'd probably give it a, an eight. But uh, yeah, no, definitely. But uh, it was, you know, particularly again, and I'm grading on a curve with this being season one mm-hmm. for for being the the fifth episode of a show that that just started. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fucking solid. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, you got anything else? Um, let's just take a quick look at my notes here, which there are about five of. Yeah, your your notes on that were like, wow, did you even watch this? But clearly, you did. Yes. There's a there's a nice bit where O'Brien O'Brien because he's so personable and so you know just O'Brien, he makes a lot of little jokes and a lot of you know little comments and whatever. And uh, at one point, uh, there, there's sort of a a moment. And Tosk kind of looks blankly at O'Brien, and O'Brien says, I was joking. And Tosk says, I, I cannot tell. Yeah. And it's just like, yep, I'm I'm the deadpan guy. I've been there so many times. <laughs> All right, you. buddy. You and I are going to go far. You're yeah. the best straight man I've ever met. <laughs> he totally is. Uh-huh. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, I think we're it. I think that's it. Okay. Want to give uh, us your quote? My quote indicates that uh, here in, in week five, this is all that Cisco knows about O'Brien apart from he's the guy who fixes my coffee. Oops. Another stunt like this and your wife won't have to complain about the conditions here anymore. Do I make myself clear? Which is pretty great. <laughs> of course. He's he's the guy who, and, and Matt, you're the one who actually referred to it as his coffee is broken. Yes. Which I quite like. O'Brien, get over here. My coffee is broken. So I don't mean fix his coffee as in make it. I mean fix no. it as in repair his coffee. Yes, repair my coffee. Right. My coffee's broken. <laughs> but uh, that's the only thing Cisco knows about him. He's the guy who repairs the coffee, and he's the guy with the bitchy wife. Yep. That's it. That, that's all they've gotten to know each other so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that quote threw me off guard because we haven't actually seen Keiko on screen for like three weeks. Complaining no, her presence about is felt. Her presence is definitely felt. Ugh. All right. Well, that is all for this week. Uh, next week, we are doing the Q episode and uh, Dax. Yep. So look forward to that. Um, as ever, postatomichorror.com, postatomichorror.tumblr.com, postatomichorror at Gmail. Pretty easy to find us if you want us. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who are new listeners, like I said, we, we've been hearing from a guy and we heard from another guy recently. Uh, apparently this thing's gradually picking up listeners, uh, from our, from our con appearances, from our, uh, from the app that you can get. Uh, I know a couple of people looking for free Star Trek stuff, put it on their phone, liked what they saw, started listening to the show. Awesome. However you found us, we do appreciate it. We're, we're so glad you're, you're with us here and, um, that's all. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, say your thing. See you folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.